Congratulations for registering your trademark with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. Just know, your USPTO journey is not over. It's the Keith Law PLLC Podcast, and I'm Jason Keith, attorney in Houston, Texas. Keith Law is a Texas-based law firm that helps businesses protect and enhance their competitive advantages by assisting with trademark issues and identifying and protecting trade secrets. The firm's goal is to help businesses prevent and address business problems, and I hope this podcast will do the same. You may have thought once you got that certificate with the shiny seal from the USPTO that you were done. Your trademark was set in stone forever protected from any potential infringers. However, after you get your trademark registration, you have to do a few things to prevent the USPTO from canceling your registration. First, you have to use your mark in commerce. This just means that you have to use the trademark in connection with your business, as opposed to just registering it and sitting on it. Second, you have to file certain documents at certain time intervals to demonstrate to the USPTO that you're still using your mark in commerce. Otherwise, your registration will be canceled or will expire. The time intervals for filing these required documents with the USPTO are between the 5th and 6th year after you register, between the ninth and 10th year after you register, and then every 10 years after that. For example, between the 19th and 20th years, between the 29th and 30th years, etc. The first maintenance filing is a declaration of use and or excusable non-use along with a specimen demonstrating continued use in commerce for each international class for which you registered your mark. If you registered your mark with the USPTO, you know what a specimen is already. A specimen is just something that the USPTO will accept as proof that you're actually using the mark in commerce. This declaration of use and or excusable non-use is just a signed statement filed by the trademark owner that either one or two One, shows that the trademark is in use in commerce with the goods or services listed in the registration. Or two, the trademark is not in use in commerce due to special circumstances that legally excuse the non-use, which I'm not going to go into in this episode. The filing fee is currently $225 per international class if you file this electronically, which the USPTO does prefer. When you applied to register your mark originally, you provided a list of the goods or services with which you use your mark along with a specimen showing that usage. When you file this declaration, you have to update the list of goods and services with which you use the mark currently, removing anything you're no longer providing. And you have to provide the updated specimen for each international class in which the mark is registered, showing an example of the current manner in which you're using the mark in commerce. Then, between the ninth and 10th year after you register, you have to file an application for renewal along with another declaration of use and or excusable non-use along with the specimen demonstrating continued use in commerce for each international class for which you registered your mark. And the filing fee is currently $5.25 per international class for this filing if you're filing electronically. Then every 10 years after you registered, you have to file an application for renewal along with another declaration of use and or excusable non-use, along with a specimen. And the filing fee is currently $525 per international class if you're filing this electronically. For any of these required maintenance filings, there's a grace period of six months following the deadline 
to file the applications for renewal and declarations of use, during which the documents can be filed late at the cost of an additional fee per international class. But if you don't file the necessary documents by the end of the grace period, your registration will be canceled or treated as expired. There's an optional declaration you can file that's worth going into at this point. Even though it's not required, the declaration of incontestability can be a valuable filing to include, along with your other required maintenance filings. You are allowed to apply for incontestability via a declaration of incontestability after five years of continuous use in commerce. Incontestability will likely be granted if there's no legal proceeding involving your mark and there has been no prior adverse legal decisions related to the mark. I'd like to talk to you about the value of the incontestability. And to do that, I want to back up and talk about the value of your registration. So before you registered your mark, if there was a trademark infringement issue, you would have the burden of proving the validity of your trademark, meaning you'd have to prove that your mark satisfies all the requirements of actually being a protectable trademark. But after you registered your trademark, you obtained a legally rebuttable presumption as to the trademark's validity, which means the other party to the lawsuit would have the initial burden of proving that you do not own a protectable trademark. It may sound like a little thing, but burden of proof in a lawsuit context can be very significant. Going a step further, if your declaration of incontestability is granted, your trademark protection is further strengthened because the mark can no longer be challenged except along very narrow avenues. Contesting your mark's validity will be off limits except for one of the following nine defenses. One is fraudulent procurement, which just means that you got your trademark through fraud. Two is abandonment, claiming that you've abandoned your mark. Three is that you've used the mark to misrepresent the source of the goods or services you provide. Four is that it's not actually a trademark or that your trademark has become generic. Five is that the defendant used the mark before you. This is called prior use. However, if you listen to an earlier episode on trademark, you'll realize that they'll be restricted from expanding their geographic boundaries of where they use the mark prior to you, or at the very least, they'll be restricted from encroaching on the geographic areas in which you use your registered mark. Six is prior use and registration, similar to prior use defense, except this one is along the lines of they had registered a mark that you claim infringes on yours, but theirs was registered first. Seven is that the use of your mark violates the United States antitrust laws. Eight is functionality of the mark. This is more applicable to trade dress trademark issues where some distinctive physical product design serves a function. That's the functionality issue. Under trade dress, you can say that a certain design of your product serves as a trademark. But if that specific design provides some function, such as a uniquely shaped wrench that provides greater leverage, that probably should have been a subject of a patent application instead of trying to treat it as trademark. Functionality will undermine the validity of the trademark protection. And then lastly, there are the equitable defenses that include latches, estoppel, and acquiescence. I'll link in the show notes or in the blog post to the earlier podcast episode where I did the deep dive on what latches is. Lastly, I want to provide a scam warning. Since you filed with the USPTO, your information became public record. And once your trademark was registered, 
and you know that you have to file maintenance documents, you may be looking for letters that you think are from the USPTO telling you you need to do X, Y, or Z to protect your trademark. You need to remain vigilant to letters you receive related to your trademark because you might be tempted to respond to a letter you receive that seems official, as if it came from the USPTO or some other government agency, indicating that if you send them some money, they'll take care of something for you related to your trademark. These are usually, if not always, what I would call a scam, or at the very least, very misleading. If you're uncertain, you should check with your trademark lawyer or go to the USPTO's Misleading Notices webpage. I'm going to provide a link to that webpage in the blog post connected to this episode. Again, I want to congratulate you on registering your trademark with the USPTO and give you best wishes on properly and timely maintaining that registration. Disclaimer, this audio is for informational purposes only and should not be misinterpreted as legal or other professional advice. If you have a legal question, you should consult with an attorney in your jurisdiction. This is Jason Keith thanking you for listening to the Keith Law PLLC podcast.